0: peace be upon you. So as long as human beings have been on this planet, the disbelievers have been persecuting the believers. This is just a fact of life on this planet. We read in Surah 5, verse 27 through 30, it says, recite for them the true history of Adam's two sons. They made an offering and it was accepted from one of them, but not from the other. He said, I will surely kill you. He said, God accepts only from the righteous. If you extend your hand to kill me, I am not extending my hand to kill you, for I reverence God, Lord of the universe. I want you, not me, to bear my sin in your sin. Then you end up with the dwellers of hell, such is the requital for the transgressors. His ego provoked him into killing his brother. He killed him and ended up with the losers. That in this account we see that Adam's two sons, that the disbeliever among them killed the believer because of his righteousness. We have another example in the Quran of the people of the canyon. In Surah 85, verse 4, it reads, Woe to the people of the canyon! They ignited a blazing fire, then sat around it to watch the burning of the believers. They hated them for no other reason than believing in God, the Almighty, the Praiseworthy. Why is God informing us of this? Despite not knowing who these people were, what were their names, how many believers were there, what time frame did it take place, the lesson is found in the following verse where it reads, Surely those who persecute the believing men and women then fail to repent. They have incurred retribution of Gehenna. They have incurred the retribution of burning. That despite the fact that we might not know who these people were, That God was did not forget, God was there when it happened and is going to hold these individuals accountable, that there's no escaping justice when it comes to God. We have a similar example in the Bible in the book of Daniel in chapter 3, where King Nebuchadnezzar, he commissioned to build a golden statue. Then he decreed that anytime music is played, all individuals of all nations were to fall prostrate and worship his golden statue. Now, three believers refused to do such acts of idol worship. And when they were called in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, their response to, uh, to him was, Do what you want, but we're not going to worship your idols. And because of this, the three were thrown into the blazing fire, and by God's leave they were saved, that not even the smell of smoke was upon their clothes. Now, not all of us are going to have that level of conviction, that level of belief, as these individuals who are willing to give their lives in order to be able to show their devotion and commitment to God alone. Uh, We have the example of Abraham, who again, he was willing to be thrown into the fire to prove a point that worshiping idols is complete falsehood. And God, because of this, he has given us a caveat. In Surah 3, verse twenty-eight it says the believers never ally themselves with the disbelievers instead of the believers. Whoever does this is exiled from God. Exempted are those who are forced to do this to avoid persecution. God alerts you that you shall reverence him alone to God is the ultimate destiny. That if we are in threat of persecution, that we can ally ourselves with the disbelievers over the believers. And it takes it one step further in Surah 16, verse 106, it says, Those who disbelieve in God after having acquired faith and become fully content with disbelief have incurred wrath from God. The only ones to be excused are those who are forced to profess disbelief while their hearts are full of faith. This is informing us that if someone is holding a gun to our head and commanding us to confess disbelief, that we can grant them this wish that As long as in our heart we believe in God. That God is putting these caveats out there for individuals. That if they have to avoid persecution, they can ally themselves with the disbelievers. That if they have to profess disbelief because of the the backlash that society is going to provide to them, that they're allowed to do so. But this is not to be done indefinitely. In Surah 2 verse 286, God informs us that he never burdens a soul beyond its means. Mean that whatever test we are confronted with, God knows we are capable of overcoming it. And one of these tests is in Surah 3, verse 186. It says, you will certainly be tested through your money and your lives. And you will hear from those who receive the scripture and from the idol worshipers a lot of insult. If you steadfastly persevere and lead a righteous life, this will prove the strength of your faith. That this is part of the test to show that we believe in God under all circumstances. That we are going to be insulted. We're going to be mocked, ridiculed. But if we are steadfast and we trust in God, it's going to show the strength of our faith and God is going to fix the situation for us. In Surah 29 verse 2, it says, Do the people think that they will be left to say we believe without being put to the test? We have tested those before them for God must distinguish those who are truthful, and he must expose the liars. Now, what's fascinating about this is that everything else in life, we pretty much have a way of gauging if we're in the right path or not, because the response we get from the people, if it corresponds with what we expect, we assume we're doing things right. And if all of a sudden reality opposes the actions we're doing, we're assuming we're doing something wrong. But when it comes to the test that God institutes for us, that he allows Satan to carry out, this is to see, are we committed to the worship of God alone, or are we going to be swayed by what happens in this world? And God gives us the following example in Surah 29, verse 10. It says, among the people, there are those who say we believe in God, but as soon as they suffer any hardship because of God, they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. But if blessings from your Lord comes your way, they say we were with you. Is God not fully aware of the people's innermost thoughts? God will most certainly distinguish those who believe and he will most certainly expose the hypocrites. Here we have individuals who say they believe in God, but when they suffer persecution because of belief, rather than being steadfast, rather than trusting God's system, they revert and they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. And because of that, it shows that they are not true believers. A true believer is someone who's going to worship God during the good times and the bad times. That despite the insults, the persecution, the hardships they face for choosing the path of God, that they are steadfast. As a submitter, we follow the example of Abraham. Then in Surah 6, verse 162, it says, "Say My contact prayers, my worship practices, my life, my death are all devoted absolutely to God alone, the Lord of the universe. The way we worship our Lord is through various means. Through our words, our actions, our prostrations, our bowing, our salat. These are all mechanisms we use to show our worship of God alone. And one of these aspects is that of kneeling. Surah 45 of the Quran is entitled Kneeling. And we read in verse 27 and 28, says to God belongs all sovereignty of the heavens and the earth. The day, the hour, comes to pass. That is when the falsifiers lose. You will see every community kneeling. Every community will be called to view their record. Today you get paid for everything you had done. Now this doesn't mean that we can't kneel for other purposes or we can't bow for other purposes. But we have to realize that when it comes to the aspects of faith when it comes to the aspect of devotion to a belief structure that it's only to God that we do such things and most people they, they fail to realize that we all worship irrespective if you believe in God or not every individual worships there's a famous uh commencement speech by David Foster Wallace in uh, 2005 entitled This Is Water and in this speech he says here's something else that's weird but true In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And we see in the, the Quran all the examples of idols that individuals have. That their career can be an idol, their children can be an idol, their money can be an idol, or even their ideology, their egos can be their idol. In Surah 25, verse 43, it says, Have you seen the one whose God is his own ego? Will you be his advocate? This word that's used for ego, you'll see in the Quran, it's either they'll use the term nafs, but this one is hawa. Hawa means someone's whim, desires, or opinions. These individuals, they're worshiping their own opinion. And when they do so, they show that their God is not God, Lord of the universe. It's their own personal egos, their own personal beliefs. The simple definition of an ego is when we place our opinion above that of God. The second we do that, that becomes our God. So why am I bringing all this up? Why am I discussing, you know, these (laughs) persecution of the believers and this element of people forcing others to uh, to disbelieve? The other day in the news, I read something that was just, it, it rubbed me the completely wrong way. The other week in uh, uh Fremont, California, there was a group of BLM protesters that showed up in the middle of the night in front of the house of the mayor, and uh they were demanding that she defund the police. Now that's fine, they're allowed to protest. But what was interesting was their real motivation was shown when they actually interviewed the organizer of this uh, uh protest and it became apparent that the reason that they targeted the mayor, the reason they came on this assault, was because the previous BLM protests where the mayor showed up, she refused to kneel to the BLM movement. And her reasoning for it is because she stated in no uncertain terms that she only kneels before God. And because of this, they were insulted, and they took it upon themselves to go to her home and persecute her because of her belief that she only kneels before God. Michael Chapman, who is one of the, uh, the, the organizers, he says May's refusal to kneel then was tantamount to saying that she doesn't care for black lives. Additionally, after the uh, protesters left, they saw that they chalked up everywhere, uh, take a knee. Meaning that their grievances wasn't about the defunding of the police. It was the fact that she was not willing to pay homage To their ideology. Now in a previous episode we discussed how this ideology is straight from Satan. That they use it under the guise of something that's noble. Something that everyone agrees with. That black lives matter. And they twisted this to propagate an atheistic movement. Under this false pretenses. And you see that the way that they conduct themselves. Is that of the disbelievers who persecute the believers. It's not enough to say that, look, I'm just not going to engage. They want 100% homage to their ideology and their cause. They use expressions such as silence is violence, meaning that if you're not even willing to engage with them, that's not enough, that that's equivalent to being violent. They want full 100% submission to their ideology. You see thousands of these videos of demonstrators completely berating, attacking individuals because they refuse to submit to their ideology. That unless you give them 100% support, you enthusiastically proclaim, take a knee, whatever it is that they demand, that they will persecute and they will cancel whoever they can that comes in their way against their ideology, which is their God. On July 6th in Indianapolis, a mother of a three-year-old was shot and killed for declaring that all lives matter when confronted by a mob of protesters at a local canal. Now, she was voicing a statement of fact, agree with her or not, the punishment for such a thing should never be murder. But somehow this is justified, somehow in the eyes of these individuals that have no belief, that have no decency, they think such an act is justified, that someone who says all lives matter deserves to be killed. This is a poisonous, destructive ideology and people need to stand up and realize what's going on. And you see that this movement has turned into a fanatic religious cult, the cult of the woke left. They have ritualistic practices where they go out and march in mass and take a knee, screaming the names of their martyrs and saints. Tell me this does not parallel what they do in Iran for Imam Hussein and Ali, as they chant their names of their martyrs and saints. They have sins and blasphemy laws, such as stating that only women can menstruate or have babies. No different than people who prohibit certain phrases or expressions, despite how much we might be offended by them. There is no difference. They have excommunication and cancel culture, that if you state something that they are not in agreement with, that they will send the mob after you, that they will persecute you. They will get you fired. They will attack you. They will destroy your livelihood. They have a priest class of who is most marginalized. That's the way that you get status in their organization, that the individual who's the most marginalized, the most victimized, is the one who should have the most say in their movement. Now, what's interesting is this is uh, propagating individuals to create false hoax hate crimes, in order to elevate their status. You have individuals who are leaving notes for themselves, racist notes, or vandalizing their homes or their properties, or sending themselves letters that they designed themselves to show bigotry and hatred in the world that is a complete sham in order to elevate their status within this peer group. They have Atonement by putting a black square as your profile photo or reading the book White Fragility, that these are ways that you can atone for your sin of not being woke enough. They have repentance by declaring your privilege and hidden racism. It says you must understand racism and admit that you cannot understand racism. You must admit your complicity in racism and pledge to do better knowing that it's impossible to do better you must be an ally but accept that you will always do your allyship wrong this is the cult of dynamic wokeism it's never enough these people have formulated a new religion this ideology is their god and they will do everything within their powers to force this onto the masses now if we go back to david foster wallace's commencement speech he says something very interesting in his following part. It says, And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Is It's the truth. Worship your own body, and beauty, and sexual allure, and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths and proverbs, cliches, bromides, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The trick is keeping the truth up in front in daily consciousness. This is a fact. If we worship anything else beside God, it will eventually devour us. It will consume us. God informs us in the Quran that if we take any other God beside God, then it will destroy us through the following allegory. In Surah 29, which is uh, the Surah entitled The Spider, Al-Ankabut, in verse 41, it says, The allegory of those who accept other masters beside God is that of the spider in her home. The flimsiest of all homes is the home of the spider if they only knew. So what does this allegory mean? An individual who takes the home of a spider, so a spider web, is like that of an idol worshiper who takes another god beside God. What happens to a guest of a spider in their home? They get devoured, they get consumed by the host. Similarly, those who take an idol As a god beside God, eventually that idol will cause their demise, will devour them, will consume them. Now what else is interesting is that this verse, when it refers to the uh, spider, it's in the female tense. And what happens in the, uh, the example of a black widow? A black widow gets its name because after it procreates with the male, it will consume it and eat it alive. And this is what happens for individuals who take another God beside God, that these idols will eventually consume and devour them. These protests have been ongoing for six weeks. And what are the results we are seeing? We're seeing freedom of speech is being curtailed. We're seeing flames of civil war being started. We are seeing rampant violence among black communities are surging and homicide rates going through the roof. And sadly, the areas that are hit the hardest are the ones that have the most unrest, the, uh, the largest protest, the most support for this movement are the ones who are suffering disproportionately. Take the example of Chicago, that in a single day on May 31st, it was the deadliest day in the last 30 years in Chicago where 18 people were killed. Over Father's Day weekend alone, 104 people were shot 15 fatally, including a 3-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl killed in separate shootings. Or in Atlanta, where 31 people were shot between July 3rd and July 5th, which includes 5 people who were killed, including an 8-year-old girl who was shot in front of Wendy's, where Rayshard Brooks was killed by police. Her father gave a heartbreaking message for the BLM protesters, asking, did her life matter? Why is it that these hundreds and thousands of people who have their lives impacted in such a short amount of time, none of them are getting recognition? If this movement was actually for the well-being of black lives, then you would see a different tone to the entire movement. But it seems like they only want to focus on the black lives that were taken by white officers, which is a complete Drop in the bucket, compared to the amount of deaths that black-on-black violence has caused. That if you take all the deaths of officers shooting unarmed black men in 2019, which equates to either 9 to 15 based on what statistics you're looking at, and compare that against the thousands of homicides that have taken place from black individuals killing other black individuals, you realize how disproportionate this emphasis is in the Black uh, Lives Matter movement, that yes, every death of an individual is a tragedy, but to put so much emphasis on something that is so marginal in comparison is a complete injustice, especially when you take in consideration That in one single day in Chicago, there were more murders of black individuals, including innocent children, than there was by police officers of unarmed black men in an entire year. But you're realizing that the movement has a completely different agenda than the actual well-being of black lives. When the founding of a movement is started by self-identified atheist Marxist homosexuals, in an effort to propagate the racist, oppressive, anti-morality, anti-God agenda, then it shouldn't be a surprise that the communities who the most strongly adopt and propagate such an agenda are the ones who are bound to suffer from it. In Surah 9, verse 109, it says, "...is one who establishes his building on the basis of reverencing God and to gain his approval better, or one who establishes his building on the brink of a crumbling cliff." that falls down with him into the fire of hell. God does not guide the transgressing people. In Surah 16, verse 25 and 26, we read, they will be held responsible for their sins on the day of resurrection, all of them, in addition to the sins of all those whom they misled by their ignorance. What a miserable load. Others like them have schemed in the past, and consequently, God destroyed their building at the foundation, causing the roof to fall on them. The retribution struck them when they least expected. It is our duty as believers to uphold the commandments of God in all our affairs. It doesn't matter the insults and the persecution we face. We have to stand with God to stand on the side of righteousness, to stand on the side of devotion to God alone. We should never, never divide our belief and share it with some false ideology that goes counter to what God is telling us. And if we do so, it shows that we are setting up another God beside God. In Surah 8, verse 73, it reads, Those who disbelieve are allies of one another. Unless you keep these commandments, there will be chaos on earth and terrible corruption. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. If you guys want to get an awesome word-by-word translation of the Quran, check out the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store or on the website QuranStudyApp.com. And if you guys like the podcast, please leave us a review, let other people know about it. And until next time, peace and God bless.